rejoice in truth. And that you've given us yourself, who is truth, and you've given us truth to help us know life and to know it abundantly. And Lord, I pray that during these next few moments together, you would help us to see the application of these truths in our personal lives. And then, Lord, that we would be able to live that out by your grace and know the fruit that only you can give, fruit that would be eternal, fruit that would be abundant, and fruit that would bring great, great glory to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled the message this morning, It's Time to Build a Wall. And um, it really is time to build a wall. You've heard the statement, good fences make good neighbors. And when you think about that, um, it, it's, it's very, very true. Good fences keep... Um, your cattle or livestock from getting into theirs and theirs from getting into you. And when you don't have that problem, that makes for better neighbors, okay? But when you think about it, there are all kinds of fences in our life. And when those fences break down, there are severe consequences. For example, our body is made up of millions, maybe billions of cells, and those cells have built in, designed by God, fences that they have that they recognize something that is foreign and they attack that. And when the fences don't work, things like cancer attach and grow and cause many, many problems. We don't think about it, but our skin is a fence. It's a fence that transfers vitamin D into our body. It's a fence that holds a lot of very, very important and sometimes gross stuff in and keeps it where it's supposed to be working. And um, there's walls all throughout our life. And usually, where there's something that's very valuable, there are walls built to protect it. We build walls around that which is important to us. And sometimes we, we build walls in the good sense. I'm not talking about building a wall that breaks relationships, but in the good sense of, of building a wall. But there's an area that it is very, very important that we build a wall in, and in many, many cases, we haven't even begun to lay the foundation for building the wall, let alone building the wall, and that is the foundation and the importance of the most important thing that we have in the battleground of spiritual warfare is our mind. And it is important, it is time that we build a wall around our mind. Now, in every good fence and in every wall, there is a gate that you let certain things in and you drag certain things out. 
And as we're talking today about building a wall with our mind, around our mind, it's to protect our mind, and it is to open the gate and let certain things in, and it is to make sure that we shut the gate and prevent certain things from coming in. The mind is the first and most important spiritual battleground that you or I have. We oftentimes are trying to fix things that are the result of the root problem being in our thinking. We often fight the wrong battle. A number of years ago, Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote the book, The Invisible War, and it, it, the basic premise was, built on Scripture, that we are in a battle for our mind, and the battle is vicious. It is intense. It is unrelenting. It is unfair because Satan never plays fair. And the reason why it is so intense is because your mind is your greatest asset. Scripture bears this out. In Proverbs, he says, keep your heart, and that's the the innermost being, our thinking. Keep your mind with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. He says in Proverbs 23, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our, Our thoughts determine what our actions are going to be. And... It is very, very important that we understand my mind, although it may not be what it used to be, my mind and your mind need to be guarded. They are valuable beyond measure, and they are the key to every other aspect of your life. So we realize our mind, first of all, must have a makeover. I thought, how do I, how do I say this? I thought, our mind needs to be cleansed, and that's true. Our mind needs to be regenerated, and that's true. And, and yet it's, it's understanding in helping us understand what's taking place. It needs to be radically changed. If someone said to you, I believe you have a mental illness, most of us would probably react to that. But the truth is, everybody has a mental illness. We are all mentally ill with the illness called sin. And the Bible uses many, many different phrases for the condition of our minds under sin. Our minds, the Bible says, are confused. They are anxious. He refers to our minds under sin as closed, as evil, as restless. All of these are biblical terms. We're not going to take the time. If you want the biblical references, we can give them to you. The Bible says that our mind is rash and deluded. The Bible talks about our mind as being a troubled mind, a depraved mind. 
a sinful mind, a dull mind. It talks about our mind being blinded by the prince of the world of this air. And it also refers to our mind as a corrupt mind. Now, all those terms, it's like, wow, something's got to be done. This needs to be radically changed. And only Jesus Christ can change a mind like that. That's why Jesus Christ came. He came to pay the penalty for our sin and forgive our sin, but he came to bring a change in our mind. It's not just, okay, I'm going to build an ambulance center at the bottom of the cliff, and I know you're just going to keep driving off the cliff. We'll be there to fix you up. We'll be there to forgive your sin. He came to forgive our sins. He came to bring healing and to rebuild our lives. But he came to change our mind so that we wouldn't see things the way we did before. And he came to change our mind so that we would see things the way he does. When we see sin the way God does, we have a total different perspective about it. We see sin often the way Satan wants us to see it. It's alluring. It's enticing. It looks like it will satisfy. It, it, we rationalize and justify in our own minds. When you see sin the way God does, it's repulsive. The most repulsive thing that you can think about is, is how God sees sin because he knows it's it's dripping with death. It's dripping with poison. It's, it destroys every fiber of our being. That's how God sees it. And so our mind, he came to save us and forgive our sins when we trust him for the forgiveness of our sin. And then we have a new element. Then he said in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and talks about he was in the form of God, but thought him not self to be equal with God. But he said it was he humbled himself, although he was God, he humbled himself and became a servant. And he's saying, this is the mind that you need to have. We don't come by that mind naturally. Our mind needs a makeover. It needs to be um, personally rebuilt, personally protected. And that brings us to the third point. We are personally responsible for what enters our mind. Every sensible wall or fence has a gate. And before one can critique a wall, a real or proposed wall, there are some basic questions that need to be asked. What is this wall or fence enclosing? What is it excluding? And who are the gatekeepers? So, any wall that is proposed needs to say, okay, what is the purpose of this wall? Who is it? What is it protecting? Who is it excluding? And who are the gatekeepers? Incidentally, all the talk about a wall at the southern border of our United States, those questions right there are very pertinent. Who is it protecting? Who is it excluding? 
And as though some people would make you think that um, there's no gate. There's a gate that lets people in. There always has been in the United States. And there has been a fence in the United States that has kept certain people out. But in our own mind making the applications, we need to say, okay, here it is. God has given me my mind, my thinking capabilities. And what is it that needs to be protected? What is it that needs to be excluded? And you are the gatekeeper for your mind. No one else keeps the gate of your mind except you. You are the guardian of your mind. And, and as guardians, we bear a responsibility. Sad to say, in most cases, the responsibility of our mind is as a broken down wall that whatever comes by can come into our mind and we oftentimes do not respond with the responsibility that we have that, wait a minute, no, you can't come in here. This does not belong to you. You have no part in this, and we do not respond properly. But you control your mind. The dangerous thing about it is no one else knows what's going on in your mind. They may eventually get some indication of things, but our minds are very, very private. And we can let whatever we want into our mind, and we can keep out whatever we want. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would turn there, Paul writing to the believers at Corinth said to them, beginning in verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a, in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Notice, he bears responsibility on those that he's writing to that we must take control of our thoughts. It's our responsibility, so we must take control of our thoughts. You notice what he said in verse 5. Well, verses 3 and 4, he says, okay, this isn't a, a fence or a wall that you're building to, to keep out wild animals or criminals or anything like that. This is a spiritual wall. This is not flesh and blood that we're dealing with. Our, our warfare is not flesh and blood. It is spiritual. And he said, it is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are false thinking, believing lies that end up controlling our life. And he said, 
it is important that you cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. Casting down means to demolish, to destroy the imaginations, the reasonings, the thoughts, and to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I, I haven't, I'm, I'm not a frequent flyer flyer, okay? But the times that I've flown, um, since 9-11, security is much increased, as you know, as you've experienced that. And some people gripe and complain about it. I don't have too much of a problem with it other than if it's totally disorganized, you know. It's interesting. We landed, when we flew to Philadelphia, we landed in Des Moines, got in the car, and the first thing on the radio, if you're planning to fly this summer, make sure you allow two hours for domestic flights to get through security and three hours in international flights. And we looked at each other and said, really? We made it through security in Philadelphia in seven minutes. And that included them patting me down. I get patted down every time because I look like, uh, terrorists, okay? No, because I have an artificial knee and it sets it off every time and it doesn't matter if you tell them that. So I just accept it. You know, I know I'm going to walk through. Hey, what's going on? I got an artificial knee. Okay, yeah, over here. Yep, go through. They pat you down. I don't complain about it because I want them to catch a bad guy. There's something to protect. Now, I complain when I read, as I did this last week, that individuals that have been convicted as known terrorists are now working for the TSA. I complain about stuff like that, but that's not the point of my message here today. The point is that we must be taken captive every thought. I've never seen it in my travels where they handcuff a guy and haul him out and say, you're going down to the prison and or the police station. We caught this guy red-handed. If I did see it, I'd say, whew, thank the Lord. But the sense of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 is this. We need to be much more um, diligent than the TSA is in the thoughts that come into our mind, and we need to take captive. That means take that thought and say, no, there's no room for you in this, and escort it out of here, and to demolish that thought and destroy that thought, and that's exactly what Paul is urging them to do in this passage. Why? Because he knows those thoughts will take root, and they'll produce attitudes, and they'll produce actions that destroy us. And this is where the battle takes place. Just because you get a thought doesn't mean that it's correct. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. And if he can get us to believe a lie, he can get us to sin. And it's believing the lie in our minds. 
We tell ourselves that things aren't really as bad as they are, that we're doing okay, we're doing better than others, it's no big deal. And we rationalize these things, and we don't examine our thoughts. But literally, he's saying, take captive every thought. You know, casually, very casually, but I must say, um, I've, I've really been intrigued about the rapid increase in the scientific study of the brain. And the more they study it, the more it just confirms the principles of God. And this is a whole area that we aren't even scratching the surface. But I I just read an article that your brain has a delete button. And you say, boy, howdy, I know that. I've hit it with a lot of things, right? But... Let me just read a little bit of this. Imagine your brain is a garden, except instead of growing flowers, fruits, and vegetables, you grow synaptic connections between neurons. That's how our brain works, okay? These are the connections that the neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, and others travel across. Gileal cells are the gardeners of your brain. They act to speed up the signals between certain neurons. But other Gileal cells are the waste removers, pulling up weeds, killing pests, raking up dead leaves. Your brain's pruning gardeners are called microgileal cells. They prune your synaptic connections. The question is, how do they know which ones to prune? Researchers are just starting to unravel this mystery. But what they do know is the synaptic connections that get used less get marked by a protein, C1Q, as well as other proteins. And when the microglial cells detect the mark, they bond to the protein and destroy or prune the synapses. This is how your brain makes the physical space for you to build new and stronger connections so you learn more. And it goes on and says, most of this activity takes place while you're sleeping. In fact, it says, you actually have some control over what your brain decides to delete while you sleep. It is the synaptic connections you don't use that get marked for recycling. The ones you do use are the ones that get watered and oxygenated. So be mindful of what you're thinking about. This is a totally secular article. It says, if you're in a fight with someone at work and you devote your time to thinking about how to get even with them and not about your big project, you're going to wind up a synaptic superstar at revenge plots, but a poor innovator. To take advantage of your brain's natural gardening system, simply think about the things that are important to you. Your gardeners will strengthen those connections and prune the ones you could care less about. It's how to help the garden of your brain flower. Now, you know what? None of this is new to God. 
in Philippians chapter 4. Turn there if you would. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Why did God tell us that? He says, because you don't want the good things if you're not thinking on them, marked as unused, and the microgillier cells come in and say, well, he hasn't used this for a while, so let's destroy that. Let's wipe that off his hard drive. we got to make room for these selfish thoughts. He's thinking a lot about himself here. we got to make room for his bitter thoughts. He's mad at so-and-so and mad at so-and-so, and he's thinking about that. we got to make room for Do you understand? This is why God said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, and whatsoever you do will prosper. He's saying, if you meditate in God's word day and night, the way God designed you, those are going to flourish. And your microgillier cells are going to go and, and say, oh, he uses this a lot. We need to make room for this to grow. And as you think in your heart, so are you. When, when we come to church, and let's just give it the benefit of the doubt that we're alert and zeroed in on everything during church, not thinking about anything else, but then we go and we spend the rest of the time during the week except maybe in the morning we may read the Bible, but we spend the rest of our time thinking about sports and weather and finances and all these other things when we could. I understand there's there's certain things that you have to focus on, but we have a lot of time that we dictate. We open the gate. Yep, come on in, my mind. And when you go to bed tonight, your microgillier cells are going to start going through and they're going to say, whoa, we got to make room. He's thinking about money. He's, he hasn't thought much about God. Let's eat that one up. And when you get saved, your microgillier cells do not become saved. They just run on the normal whatever they use, we protect. Whatever they don't use, we don't protect. And that's why he said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's why he gives us this responsibility. And and he says, think on these things, whatever is true. Yeah, it's true that guy's an idiot. Yeah, Matt matches that. It's honest. Yes, it's honest. He actually did do that. True, honest, just. Is this a just thought? Yeah, justice needs to be brought to him. And and see, we can justify all these things. But then you go on. Are my thoughts pure toward him or her? Whatsoever things are lovely. Would this be a thought that we could put up on the screen and say, do you see what Dennis St. Lawrence was thinking this last week? 
Isn't that a lovely thought? Three blind refs see how they run. Isn't that a lovely thought? You know what I mean? Is it lovely? Is it of good report? That's the good report. Is it something that could... Look at this thought that I had. Is it of good report? Is there any virtue in it? Does it build up? Is it praiseworthy? Think on these things. You know, it's just asking ourselves the questions. Does this thought please the Lord? But we have to just get to where we test our thoughts. Does this thought build my relationship with my wife or with my children? Does this thought build my relationship with a fellow believer? Does this thought bring humility in my life? Or is it, I'm better than that, I'd never do that. Good grief, look at that guy. See, it's testing our thoughts. And sad to say, in most cases, our, our minds are completely open range. I mean, just anything can come in. We don't put up fences. We're not running the gate. That's our responsibility. And he gives us a responsibility that we need to be continually renewing our mind. Don't be conformed to the world, Romans 12, but be transformed. How? How do I not think like the world? By the renewing of our minds through the Word of God. Where does your thinking come from? How much of it is good quality thinking? How much of it is vague and muddled and inconsistent and inaccurate from a scriptural standpoint? Do you have any conscious standards that, no, I'm not going there with that thought. Thinking or the lack of thinking, but in most cases it's not lack of thinking. It's just thinking wrong. I mean, we've all been there when dad or mom or a boss says, what were you thinking? Meaning, you idiot, where were you? I mean, why would anybody do what you just did? And it isn't that we were thinking, oh, wow, wake up. Whoa, I, I wasn't even thinking. Uh, that just didn't happen. No, we were thinking something, but maybe not from the right perspective. Or maybe we were thinking something a 100 miles away, and we weren't focused on it here. But you're always thinking. And it's time as individuals, first of all, that we make sure our mind has received the makeover or is regenerated or born again or transformed through faith in Jesus Christ. And then that we renew our mind, renew our mind, that we take our mind and say, I'm, I'm running the gate here. You know, Traveling, it's an exercise in seeing and observing humanity. And, and you know, we'll be boarding flight 511 for Philadelphia in 10 minutes. And immediately people, it's 10 minutes yet, you know. 
We're asked those that have uh, babies and small children and first class to enter first. Well, you see people that are holding their tickets and it's you're in section four of boarding. And they're at the front of the line. So they're at the front of the line and, and all the first class and small children have to go around them. And, and so here they are. And everybody's waiting for the gatekeeper to finally come in that little ribbon that goes across these flimsy little poles to finally come and open that and say, okay, show. and everybody's, hey, they're actually boarding. And then, then you all start going in, but they wait for that gatekeeper. Do you understand in your mind there are thousands of things wanting to get into your mind? And our whole society is continually, we're bombarded with ads that want to get in. And you are the one that either you've knocked the fence down and said, ah, whatever, bring her on in. Or you are the one that says, yep, come on in. No, I mean, it's like sorting cattle, you know what I mean? I mean, that's the mentality we need to have with our minds. Let that one go. Let No, no, let that one get in and get in. You know, that's what we got to do with intensity, with why. I honestly, until we start doing this, I don't think there's any hope for America. Because the microgillers are eating up the little bit of spiritual because we're not using it. But if we would start meditating on God's word day and night and start taking control of our thoughts. Yep, you come in here. No, no, I'm not going to go there. That's a bad thought that I have towards someone else, and I am not going there. That is not honoring God. That is not praiseworthy. That does not build my relationship, and I am not going there. You know, man, this is very, very convicting in my own life. And again, it just confirms to me God's ways. I mean, to me, it's just... This thing, if you can't tell, I'm excited about microgillier. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm pronouncing them right even, but gilio, I think it is. I don't know. You look it up on your own. But that's God's design. And look at you lay down at night, and in your brain are going, eat that up, eats it up. Incredible what God's done. But it's also very dangerous. Because we may be, they may be eating up some good stuff that we haven't used lately. That's why the renewing of your mind, meditate in his word day and night. It's time to build a fence. And I'm not opposed to building one on the south border. But that's not the fence we need to build. We need to build a fence around our mind. And we need to be the gatekeeper. There's no one that falls into sin that hasn't opened the gate to the wicked thoughts long before that happened. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would cause every one of us to realize the seriousness of our thoughts. And Lord, I pray for individuals here today that have never called upon you for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray today that they would come to have a 
a renewed mind, a, a reborn mind through your spirit. Not just the forgiveness of sins, but then that the mind of you would dwell in us. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us as believers. It's so easy to just get lazy and, and just let whatever comes enter into our mind. I pray that we would take serious our responsibility that someday we will answer to you for and that we would be the guardians of our mind, that we would be the gatekeepers of our mind, and, Lord, that you would be honored as a result. Thank you for your terrific, amazing design. Thank you that your ways are perfect. And we look forward to what you will do as a result, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together with our heads.